Welcome to the Bible Feed Podcast, a place for conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started. Well, welcome everybody to the Bible Feed Podcast. I'm Lawrence Davenport. And today we're going to continue our series on the Gospel of Matthew, um, discovering Jesus in Matthew is the theme that we, that we have. Um, and I'm here with um, Dan Weatherall once again. So welcome back, Dan. Hi, Lawrence. Good to be okay. talking with you again. Yeah, excellent. So we're going to continue the conversation we've been having over uh, the, the past few episodes. Um, and if you've not heard the past few episodes, we had two previous episodes to this one. Um, go and check them out. Um, but Dan, for... Uh, for those of us who uh, want a quick summary, uh, what did we cover in those last episodes? Yeah, so the first one we did on Matthew was was episode 16 of the Bible Feed podcast. And we set the scene, really, didn't we, when we looked at the opening chapter and the genealogy of Jesus. So that, yeah. was, that was fun, that conversation. And then the second one in the series, which is episode 18 um, of the whole podcast, that was where we looked at um, the structure of the book. We looked at themes throughout the book. Um, and one of those themes, well, a lot of those themes were sort of connected to the idea of Jesus being called Emmanuel or God with us and mm-hmm. uh, how that he was given authority and, and so on. And we saw links back to the Old Testament and and what that meant for God to be with his people and how that Jesus is the symbol of that, not necessarily, you know, God incarnate in in the flesh um yeah that was, that was the sort of thing we looked at wasn't it yeah it was good and I, I in a recent study um i looked at that authority again um reflecting back on some of the things that we'd looked at and cool it's yeah. really there's a really interesting link between the end of chapter seven of matthew where it talks about how people were astonished that he had this authority mm. and then it immediately goes into the um the episodes of of the leper being cleansed and and the cornelius's servant in order to establish that authority as to where jesus has got this authority from so so yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting theme in, in Matthew. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that was good. Excellent. So um, today, what are we going to cover? So um, we're, we're moving forward through the book and uh, we're going to go to the wilderness. That's what we're going to do. Right. It's the um, wilderness years, is it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're, uh, we're going to go out into the sticks with Jesus okay. and uh, dive into Matthew chapter four. Um, right. And uh, it's that passage in, in Matthew chapter four where Jesus is tempted by the devil. Right, I think we so, probably should read that, shouldn't we? Just to just to yeah. uh, set the scene. Do you want me to read those some some verses from yeah, chapter four? Yeah, go for that. Do you want to read the first? I don't know, first four verses first of all. That'd yeah, be good. sure, absolutely. Okay, so uh, Matthew chapter four. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yeah, so there you go. So that carries on. So that's that's one temptation. And then there's two more. Um, And what, you know, what on earth is going on in in the wilderness? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's lots of um, lots of things that we need to probably deal with, don't we? We need to ask. We need to think about, you know, who is this person who or what is this? The devil or the tempter, he's called later on. He's called Satan. So we're mm. gonna we're gonna we're gonna ask that question. And we're gonna strike it head on. So we'll you know we will get to that. 
Um, but you know, what do you think about this narrative? First of all, what what sort of strikes you? It seems was the first thing that strikes me is um, you're going to be hungry, aren't you? After forty days and forty nights, <laughs> yes. that's what struck me. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. just the way I am. But um, the other thing is that those first four verses are fairly straightforward, aren't they? In terms of um, what they're trying to say, and it kind of supports maybe the culturally accepted idea about a devil figure uh, and like to going and tempting somebody to yeah, do something yeah and you can see where that that idea has come from can't you i suppose yeah. and yeah. yeah so one reading of this then is to it seems to be the simplest reading and it seems to be the most obvious reading is to just take this as it is on the page and mm-hmm. jesus went out into the wilderness and then he met some figure some personal being um, called the devil or the tempter or Satan, um, whatever that is. And, um, and then these things happened and he, you know, he conversed with it. He had a conversation. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. It seems the most obvious reading. And it's important to, it's usually important to sort of go with the simplest reading, isn't it? Um, to sort of... Initially. Yeah, initially. Yeah, it's important to not to come up with some convoluted interpretation okay. to sort of get round what is actually the most obvious. So I, I get that. Um, but actually, I, I don't think that's what's going on in this passage. And what I want in this, you know, in this episode, I want to sort of deal with it and bring out a few things, see what you think, and um, present another way of viewing this passage. And actually, it will be putting this passage in context. So in, in terms of the things that have just happened before, in terms of the whole kind of structure of Matthew and what, we're, what we've been talking about in our conversations. And yeah. if, you do, if we do that, actually something else becomes the most obvious reading, at least, you know, in the way I see it. And, and uh, well, let's, you know, let's dive in and let's see, see what we get to. Yeah, so I suppose if we're going to do that, we should kind of deconstruct the, the bits we need to understand. Yeah. Um, you know, the, and I think, you know, you know, we had a um, chat previously about how we would approach doing that. And it seems obvious that, first of all, you kind of identify the two main characters in yeah. this section. So you've got the devil and you've got Jesus as being kind of characters that come out. We need to mm-hmm. understand, um, well, we know who Jesus is, but where actually was he? What was he doing there? Why did this happen at this time? Yeah. Um, and and ultimately to try and understand who the devil is here and this is the devil and satan but what is that actually referring to and that's probably the the crux of what we're trying to do here is it yeah it is yeah and and it's not just to um so the point of this episode is not just to try and work out what the devil is and then come with the, up with the conclusion and say great you know we've worked that out actually it's to see the thread of matthew and what that's what's building so we've we, you know what are the, some of the themes that we've thought about already we've thought about Jesus coming to save his people from their sins and he's um he's God with us he's the symbol that um shows that God is with his people he's the messiah he's going to res- res- uh, restore their kingdom he's going to you know save them from all these things and he's the old testament fulfillment of that and therefore the kingdom is is going to come you know that's what he's going to come and bring um, so that's what kind of where we've got to. And it's really mm-hmm. important to bear those things in mind, because when we get to a conclusion of, about what and who the devil is, um, it will fit into that. You know, it's got to fit into a wider narrative of what Matthew is trying to, trying to do and say. So, yeah. So you've got to out what the devil's going on, haven't we, really? Exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, let's do that. And you, you, yeah. raised, you asked quite a few sort of number of questions there, your key things. Yeah. One of those was um, where's where is this happening? I think you just sort of said off the cuff. Yeah. Um, I, I think we should start there. Um, okay. So where it, this this is because it's really interesting. 
and it's really key. So where is Jesus then, first of all? Uh, so where it's in that first verse, it looks like he's in a wilderness, doesn't it? Yeah. So he, but he's come from somewhere. So if we look at, um, he's in Jer- Jerusalem, Judea region, uh, yeah. we can see in chapter yeah. three, can't we? Yeah, so he's, he's near Galilee, the yeah. yeah. So he's near the river, isn't he? River Jordan. He's mm. been baptized, which we'll think about in a moment. Um, and then he's gone out into the wilderness. You know, wherever he is, he's some kind of des- deserted place um, mm-hmm. in the wilderness. Okay, that's straightforward. But then verse five, there's a change of scenery. Which so you read up to verse four, and then that carries on. It says, "Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple." And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Mm -hmm. So there's that second temptation there. The temptation is to, you know, to jump off from a high place and uh, force God and his angels to protect him and keep him safe, basically. And if he was jumping off the pinnacle of the temple, then uh, it's going to be right in front of lots of onlookers. And, you know, he's, wow, he's this wonder worker, you know, that kind of thing. So that's the temptation um so where where is he now well he's in that's the pinnacle of the temple so it's going to yeah. be it's going to be like right in the middle of jerusalem isn't it yeah that's in like... jerusalem yeah what, whatever the pinnacle of the temple refers to you know you sort of right on the top of the roof or you know some kind yeah. of main point of the temple um which is, which is a bit curious in itself isn't it that jesus would just suddenly be taken by the devil whoever that is to the sort of roof of the temple that's yeah. you know it's not normal is it you know jesus doesn't end up on roofs and things like that normally okay so that's that so those in jerusalem the next one then verse seven jesus said to him uh, again it, i say this is jesus response which um he says you should not put the lord your god to the test and then verse eight again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said to him all these i will give you if you will fall down and worship me Jesus says, be gone, Satan. So he, he refuses to, you know, to give in to that temptation of taking all the kingdoms, basically becoming world ruler right there and then. Um, yeah. So where is Jesus right now? So he's now gone to the top of a high mountain. Yeah, a very high mountain from which he can see all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Um, and again, so it seems like a very high mountain and a, with a very good view. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh and let's just before we sort of draw any conclusions of that um in the in mark's gospel um which records the temptations of jesus in the wilderness it's just a very very condensed account there's none of these three specific temptations at all um and it's just a verse that says jesus was tempted um, by satan in the wilderness for 40 days and that's it so mark's summary of all these things is that jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and he went through a period of testing and of temptation okay so he thinks everything happened in the wilderness um and yet matthew here is is saying that he went off to the Dru- Jerusalem and then he went off to this high mountain, wherever that is. Um, according to Mark, it's all within 40 days and it's all in the wilderness. So something's not quite straightforward, is it? You, know, you said at the start, you know, it seems, and I agree with you, it seems like it's a completely straightforward account, straightforward narrative of X and Y happening, but actually something's not quite right. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, it seems seems that way. Um, it seems like there's a lot of flitting around here in order to kind of make those particular three points. Yeah, um, which doesn't necessarily um, is not brought out in the Mark record. Definitely not brought yeah. out because it's yeah. a very very succinct uh, record. Yeah, and actually the Luke one, so the Luke record, which has the temptations, it has the three same temptations, but the second two are in the opposite order as well. So. 
you know, again, that I mean, and that's fine. The gospels do move things around all the time, but but I, I just I just get the feeling from that that this is not a straightforward written account of things that sort of happened um, exactly as they're written. Um, you know, where is a mountain where you can see every kingdom and all the kingdoms of the world and their glory? Well, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there is. Um, no. So, you know, it could be that this is Jesus in the wilderness having some kind of visionary experience. Uh, it could be that this is actually um, more of some, you know, these these 11 verses, so the first 11 verses of this chapter is that it's Jesus um, or a parable of, the, or there's an element of parable in this passage um, that is sort of describing the things that are happening to Jesus. So purely just from where Jesus is, we've we've got to that point and just thought mm-hmm. that through, that that's a possibility. Um, it's not just me that's... Uh, Sort of saying that this, this is recognised in pretty much all the you know all the standard commentaries on that. So in R.T. France's commentary, he says the fact that no actual mountain could provide a view of all the kingdoms of the world at once suggests that this transportation was not physical but visionary. There in the wilderness, Jesus found himself first on top of the Jerusalem Temple and then on an, on an impossibly high mountain with a view of the whole world. Okay, and then uh, uh, D.A. Hagner says that about the same thing this suggests that the temptations are to be regarded as subjective experiences of jesus rather than involving the literal transportation of jesus to other places however miraculously okay so you know that's pretty that's a pretty common um idea it's not controversial or, or anything i don't think just to sort of say that or, or reach yeah. that point no i think and i think it's i think i don't think it's unreasonable um given the way that it's written in this in this um narrative structure here I suppose what we've got to ask is um how is the use of the kind of this device of of introducing these different locations how is that used and how does that draw our attention in, into certain aspects of, of of this um of this narrative what is it trying to tell us by using this device yeah yeah that's right yeah so we've got to pay attention to the yeah w- the conventions and the style of the narrative and yeah. work out not just uh, you know, woodenly what it's saying, but what's the point, what's the purpose of this this particular passage? Um, and uh, so, yeah, we need to think through, you know, the genre of it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so, yeah, d- uh, th- this, this little passage, these 11 verses, to me, they stand out as being different. So we're talking, so Matthew, we've, we've, we've been um, reading it through um, and it's a historic, it's got historical, well, it's about a historical person. You know, this is, you know, it's not a history textbook at all, but it's about somebody called Jesus of Nazareth who lived and breathed and died, um, you know, however long ago. It's talking about somebody from history and it's talking about things that he did. He met real people, he talked to real people and things like that. Um, this incident feels very different just immediately from those kind of like, oh, now he's in the temple. Oh, now he's on the mountain. You know, it, it just, to, it stands out as being a little bit different. So that's why we want to think about, it. well, that's a flag to think about how we need to understand this. So so let's, I think what we need to do now is just think a bit more about some of the details. I've got three details to think through and see yeah. how it links back to the context. All right. Well, let's, you know, just take us through those details yeah. then and let's, uh, let's have a chat about each one. Brilliant. Okay, so the first one then is right back in the first verse, which says Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, the um, the reason for him going into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil is something to do with the Spirit. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's um, 
you know, rewind a little bit and go back to what's just happened. And we've just, we mentioned this a little bit, didn't we? That Jesus has just been baptized. And verse 16 of chapter three, it says, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Okay. So that that's the point at which the spirit of God comes down and um, rests on Jesus. And then, then verse chapter four, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's some, um, something to do with the, the spirit, which um, I take in this context, I take to mean, uh, it seems, you know, it's the power, it's the authority of God. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's that that is now. We kind, of get the, we kind of get that power because of the statement that's made in verse 17, don't we? Which is then um, a voice from heaven saith, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So there's, there seems to be a link, doesn't there, between the occurrence of this, the dove yeah. spirit and this, you know, proclamation from, from heaven. Yeah, 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 absolutely right. They're, they're linked to each other, definitely. Um, so that, yeah, the voice of authority from God um, saying this is my beloved son and then the authority and power of God the spirit coming on him and then if you look so that that first temptation um, the temptation was um, and it yeah I agree it would have been a very real temptation having not <laughs> having gone without without food for so long to turn these stones to become loaves of bread um, with God's power. <laughs> God's yeah. authority, God's you know ability to to do that, um, and and it's that that He's just been given and yeah. able to to do to sort of draw on the the power and authority of God and, and allow God to work in Him, you know, work miracles and wonders and signs. Um, and so the temptation is, well, okay, if you're the Son of God, and you know, if you've got this Spirit, this power, authority, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So you can see how the source of the temptation is the Spirit. You know, that's that's one reason. That's one thing. The source of the temptation is Jesus having an experience as he's baptized and having hearing that voice and having the spirit. Um, and so, you know, where is him being tempted? Well, it, it's, you know, it, it's his own experience that's just happened to him that is, you know, gives him that sort of tempting yeah. uh, that idea. Basically. So it's almost like the fact that he now has access to this, yeah. this spirit now, then that actually introduces more possibilities to yeah. him and therefore more temptation yeah. to use yeah. it incorrectly. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It shows that this isn't just a you know random sort of test by a, by the devil, you know, or some you know someone's just wandered into the wilderness and, and thought, do you know what? I'll yeah. What about um you know tempting him to do X, Y, and Z? You know, this is a this is something that is personal and real to Jesus, and and actually to Jesus alone at this at this point. That's mm. this this temptation because of what he has just had. Okay, so that's the first thing. That's the spirit being led by yeah, the spirit. Okay. The second one is linked to the, the voice because the voice says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So okay. Jesus just experienced the, the spirit come on him. And then the voice says, this is my beloved son. Okay. And then if you look at the temptations again, you can see that the source of the temptations, as well as being about because he's got the spirit, the power authority, he's also um, because he's been declared the son of God. So, you know, he's, he's just been baptized. He hears that declaration and he's wandering off on his own into the wilderness and rolling around his head um, are those words from heaven. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. It's, that's really, you know, this. I as I was growing up, that's what I thought, you know, I was. Um, yeah. You know, all this time, I've, yes, this is my beloved son. You know, without doubt now, I've had that declaration. And then mm. the tempter comes to him and says, if you are the son of God, well, use that power and command stones to become loaves of, loaves of bread. And then the other one is, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, you know, one, and then he quotes from Psalm 91 there. Yeah. Um, so you can see, again, at the source of the temptations, these first two, 
are that voice from heaven saying that he is the son of God. Um, so again, ask yourself, um, you know, why is Jesus being tempted? You know, what is it that is making him um, think of these I- ideas and have these desires and these temptations? Um, well, it's the things that he's just gone through. Again, it's all linked back to the baptism of him and the, the declaration he heard. Um, so that's that's the second one. Yeah, so it's almost like him, you know, even though it's been declared, it's like I really need to double double check that yeah. this is the case. That's his that's his kind of internal voice um saying those things and, and, and kind of yeah. you know, um, proclaiming these things. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's it, it's that it's kind of double checking. And it's also um a case of what actually so if this is true, then I can do this. You, you know, yeah. I can I, I actually I can sort of you know I can get people to follow me by jumping off the temple, or if this is true, I I don't have to go hungry you know i can i can do this for myself um with god's power and authority you know that kind of thing so you can you can see you can see exactly how this is sort of playing out and how this is exactly how i think matthew is is writing his narrative to show these sorts of things that are going on um uh, in the life of jesus um, at this this crucial moment right at the start of him going out to just before he's going out to teach okay mm-hmm. so there's the two things okay, yeah so led by the spirit and then about the son of god and yeah you, know, you said there was a third thing yeah the third one so the third one is to do with the third temptation and that's the detail about him um so the devil shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and says all these i will give you if you will fall down and worship me so what's the temptation there the temptation is to to take all the kingdoms of the world take control of them become world ruler dominate you know and you know how is that possible um it's to um you know again by his power and authority of god that he's just been given to sort of take take control take over you know uprise and violence and you know all the sorts of things that people do um to try and take control and yet jesus could do it there and then you know he could do that because of those things that have just happened um but the key the key thing here is um, just so remember the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. That's actually quoting. So God is quoting from two passages in uh, the Old Testament. Uh, one is in Isaiah 42, which we're not going to look at, but um, the other is in Psalm 2. So I'm just going to go back to Can Psalm read that, 2. Yeah. So Psalm 2 and verse 7 to 8. Well, tell you what, just read verse 7, first of all. Psalm 2, verse 7. Okay. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Yeah. Okay. So there's the bit, you are my son. This is my beloved son. Okay. So it's kind of a, a you know, a mashup quote from Isaiah as well, like I, I said. Um, but there's that that key theme. You are a declaration about the Messiah, yeah. the anointed of God, um, the king on Zion, my holy hill, you are my son. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the very next verse says this. Do you want to read that? Yeah. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Okay. Recognize anything from there? Yeah. It sounds very similar, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically yeah. the temptation yeah. um, to take the nation's and the ends of the earth as a possession. Verse nine, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Okay. So there's a few things going on here. So Jesus, again, with the words from heaven rolling around in his mind, he would instantly go back to Psalm two. He'd go back to Isaiah 42. He'd be able to think, think and ponder those scriptures and think about them. And he'd easily think about the next verse, you know, 
The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me. I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth, your possession. So in his mind, he's thinking, I can take the nations. I can take the kingdoms and all their glory. And, you know, I I can do it. I've been declared the son of God. I've been given power. Um, I can do this now. Um, Now, there's a couple of things going on here. So either um, Psalm 2 verse 8 says, ask of me yeah, um, i was gonna say that yeah that's yeah. not quite how it runs in the in exactly. matthew is it exactly yeah exactly but you know it's clearly his it's clearly jesus's to take at some point <laughs> that's you know from the psalm it'd be very very easy to, to mm. think about that and say yeah we can do this we can take the kingdoms we can we can get up there and you know get an uprising and i can just I can sort it all out now, right now. And yet, actually, like you say, this arm is just caution, ask of me. So God is going to give him the kingdom, yeah. not when, you know, not at that point in that moment. Um, so the kind of temptation there is almost like a fast forward on the thing that, that was expressed in Psalm 2. I can do it now. There's no need to wait. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think mm-hmm. if he was to do it there and then without what he ends up doing in the rest of the Gospel of Matthew, um, it would have been done in a very different manner. And so the whole... Uh, the whole thing. I've, I've given the game away before on a previous episode, haven't I? Yeah, don't give the game away, Dan. Let yeah. me just summarise those three points that you've just, just okay. um, spoken okay. about. Okay, so um, you've, you've, you've linked us back to um, the, the the baptism and said that actually that's the root of, of the things that happen in this chapter and, and it colours all of the, the events that happen in here. So the fact that he's baptised, the fact that he's then declared as being the Son of God and receives the Spirit, he's then subjected to these experiences and um, when he goes into the wilderness and they're connected back to to, to to that baptism and it's related to the, the kind of authority that he's now been uh, been placed upon him and this declaration of authorities What I want to maybe um, ask you now is, is about that last temptation, because it is a bit perplexing about what it what that really means. We've got that in in Psalm two, but taking the kingdoms of the world now, what would that what would the devil be able to do in order to in order to do that, in order to offer that? Yeah, so so this is where we've got to pay attention to what it's saying now, which is the devil saying, um, you know, fall down and worship me and I will give yeah. it to you. So we need to work that bit out. Um, so, which is really getting to the point of, you know, head on, what is the devil, um, which we're, mm. we're sort of building up to. So um, the devil, um, pe- people wrestle with this passage because um, the supernatural devil or personal being, you know, power of darkness or whatever, um, that is sort of popularly imagined, um, as far as I can tell, the, isn't that devil isn't actually able to offer all the kingdoms of the world you know if 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 that devil is you know a supernatural being you know of evil and he said to jesus the son of god you know come on worship me worship me i'm satan worship me and i'll give you everything in the world um i, th- I don't think anyone thinks that that would have been true you know um it would have been a lie at which point you've got to th- think how much of a temptation would that have been um if jesus you know knows that god is the only one with absolute authority and the devil is just saying um you know just lying to to him in that sense um so you know was it really much of a temptation if that's the case um so i I think you've got to think like we have done who at that moment in time who could have taken all the kingdoms of the world um and sort of taken control of them and the, the answer is two two beings and that's god of course has ultimate power and authority all the time and jesus himself who his god has just given power and authority to him 
And so I think what, what this is saying is that Jesus could have taken the kingdoms there and then. He could have, you know, done it in his own means using the power of God. Later on, it says in, in Matthew 26, it says that he could have called 12 legions of angels to resist the soldiers who came to arrest him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know how many people or how many angels there are in a legion What's, we, we, i don't know no i don't know you're asking me but like like roman i think you did this in the last yeah, episode we did yeah 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 <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i'd have to up on my roman numbers yeah no you still haven't looked no i, I don't know legions a lot okay yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah. how many it is but he could have called on 12 legions of angels there and then to to resist the soldiers who came to arrest him. You know, he could have called for them and used force and used violence to take over the wicked human rulers. He could have done that. Um, and uh, and he didn't do that. So he could have taken all the kingdoms of the world there and then if he'd thought about uh, um, advancing his own self and his own cause. What he what he did instead was he he resisted that and ultimately he went to his death, didn't he? That's that's how God wanted him to to bring these. You know, ultimately that's how the kingdom is brought. It's through Jesus dying and the things that that follow that. Um, it's not through him killing other people. Basically, it's yeah. not through him using force to take over and, and take control. So. Um, actually, actually, that is that was a very real idea at the time. There were lots of revolutionaries and zealots, and that that yeah. idea was really quite strong. It, there wasn't really the political movement called the zealots at this moment in time, but it was going to come very soon after um, Jesus. And, we read uh, that, don't we, in in, in um, the in the Acts of the Apostles about people drawing people away and that's trying right. to and trying to you know, the Romans the rule, etc. So yeah, 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 that's right. And then, they accused Paul of being one of those, I think. Didn't yeah that's right yeah and then ultimately that ends up in, in a bad way in AD 70 when the zealots really just basically try a revolution and then they get completely quashed um, yeah. by the Romans and the city's destroyed. So so yeah, Jesus is basically um, has that option in front of him um, and he rejects it. That's not the way he's going to go. That's not the way yeah. he's been asked to go. He's going to be the Messiah in, in the way that God wants him to be. Yeah. Okay. So essentially that's him saying, I can take this on myself. And um, just for those of you who are interested, a legion is Six thousand soldiers, apparently. Oh, well done. Um, there you go. Um, so, I mean, we haven't yet answered that question, though, yeah. as to who is the devil, uh, because we've we've not been able to uncover that yet. So, okay. can you do that for me, Daniel? Please. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. So, I, I think we've done enough to to make a case for an interpretive option that actually fits that what we've seen in in the best way possible. I think. So, on one hand, like we started off, it's really easy just to read the text and say, "There you go. There's the devil." He must be some kind of supernatural being that goes around tempting people like that. But when we've looked at the difficulties that a superficial surface sort of literal reading poses, you know, where is Jesus? That kind of thing. And we've yeah. then now we've looked at the connections right back to the things Jesus has just gone through through his baptism. I think it's really quite natural to read this as some kind of um, dramatization or parable of the struggles that are going on in Jesus's own mind. So what that means is the devil or Satan in this passage is representing the human impulse, the, the things that are opposed to God, um, the, you know, the things that are slandering God, as, as sort of the devil means, uh, means that word, and then the things that are opposing or being an adversary against God, which, the, you know, the word Satan means. And uh, I think um, what I think we can see is that the, the devil and Satan in this passage, the most sort of natural understanding of this is that they're representing the human impulse inside Jesus. You know, his own sort of desire as a human being, as a man, as a, as a person, um, to have those, um, 
you know, take things for himself and advance in his own self and oppose God mm. to to be the slanderer uh, or be the the adversary, like as, as the words devil yeah. and Satan mean. So so yeah, who is the devil? Well, it's not it's not an individual in the story. This character in the story is sort of representing the things that are, are going on in the mind of Jesus. I think I think that's the most yeah, natural reason. Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, then you've essentially got this internal discussion happening and essentially jesus talking to himself why then is it written in this very overt way this way essentially does draw out a whole new character and has this dialogue happening between what seems to be two distinct characters yeah so um i think that's a good question um and the idea of a a devil a a satan um in that uh, in that sense um it was around in the times of the new testament but let's just sort of think a little bit before it, it, it was never it was never around in the old testament times okay um so um for example the anchor yale bible dictionary um just says the note it goes straight out and says the notion of the devil as an independent evil power no longer in heaven but ruling a demonic kingdom and headed for judgment is absent in the old testament so you know that so there's no idea of that um in the Old Testament, that's what that says. Um, yeah. And uh, but the idea of the Satan appears in the Old Testament, um, but it isn't the the devil that we we think of. You know, when we we think, um, you know, what is the devil? This kind of supernatural being, um, as the, that Bible dictionary says, and, and you know, other dictionaries say the same. So in the Old Testament, you get the character of a Satan um, in a couple of places, and it's and it's in visions. So in Zechariah, um, you get the character of the Satan that appears in visions, and in a poetic drama in Job. So the Book of Job, um, which is a very much uh, where well, it's a piece of wisdom literature, and uh, the Satan appears um, at the beginning, um, very sort of enigmatically. And you know, I'm not I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not saying whether Job is is about a real incident or, or not. Um, that's nothing. You know, not I don't I don't. Think that it matters particularly at, at all, other than the fact that how it's written, whether it's about something that really happened or not, how how the book is written, it's it's written in a very sort of poetic drama type of way. Okay, so that's where so the Old Testament background has some kind of character like that, um, but always in these sort of visionary or poetic books. Okay, so actually. Matthew chapter four, in the first 11 verses that we've mm. seen as this kind of visionary experience or this almost parabolic thing, it actually is, begins to look very much in keeping with what we'd expect um, from the Old Testament, mm. um, you know, when we've paid attention to the genre of it. Um, so uh, so what, what had, had happened since the times of the Old Testament is that the thoughts and the ideas, uh, the thinking the, the ideas and the notion of Satan and the devil had sort of extrapolated and expanded. And, you know, some people held the view that there really was some kind of personal devil going around and, and doing this. And and others did not. They sort of had the view that this was, you know, representing a, an internal struggle. Um, so if you were to think about the general conception of the idea at the times of Jesus, you'd have a completely mixed picture. So you can't just point to that and say, therefore, it means the devil is real or therefore it means the devil is not real. You know, it's figurative. And um, what you've got to do is sort of think about it in context um, with Matthew, like we've seen. And everything, everything I think points to it being um, Jesus himself having those temptations um, and that fits with the sort of um, literature that we've seen in the Old Testament.
Yeah, so you're, you're kind of saying that in the Old Testament, Satan was used as a um, synonym almost for the ideas and the evils and sins of man. Yeah. And and that's that's how it's being used in that same manner within Matthew chapter 4. And I suppose that's a little bit like, it reminds me of, uh, of some other um, passages in the New Testament which relate to kind of temptation and sin. Um, and one of them is in James chapter 1, actually. I've got it here if you want yeah, to yeah. just read. Yeah, go for it, yeah. In James, in James chapter one, it says um, in verse 13, this is um, let no one say that he is uh, when he is tempted. I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, bring, uh, brings birth to sin and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. And I suppose if you read that passage and there was such a thing as a personal devil or a real kind of devil figure surely that figure would have would have um been injected into those verses somewhere as a cause you you could almost think of it as saying well we know temptation doesn't come from god and and it would say well temptation as we all know comes from the devil yeah it doesn't say that it actually says it says that it comes from inside doesn't it and you're lured and enticed by your own desire yeah so yeah exactly and that's literally just what we've seen with jesus isn't it you know, him yeah. hearing those words in his baptism and the spirit coming on him and then thinking about what the implications are of that, you know, from himself, himself inside his own desires. Um, uh, the crucial difference is that he, he didn't sin, um, whereas the rest of us, uh, we, we give in. Um, it reminds me as well of um, Hebrews. So Hebrews talks a lot about um, about Jesus being tempted because he's made just like us. Um, yeah. So uh, Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So, you know, there again, Jesus is tempted as we are, yet without sin. So just like us. And I think our experience of, of being tempted to do wrong things is important here because it says Jesus was tempted like we are. And I don't know about you, I haven't been tempted to do bad things by meeting a supernatural being. I just, you know, I've not like gone out at night and bumped into some some being to, to tempt me in that way. I've not gone out into the wilderness or gone walking in the fields and there's somebody that's walked up to me and said, actually, if you're this so-and-so, why don't you go and do this? You know, yeah. you know it doesn't happen, does it? We, we recognize our experiences of temptation yeah. as coming from within. So, so if that's the case, um, you know, say that is the devil doing that, you know, sort of creating ideas, you know, maybe this is the personal being giving us ideas in our head to, to tempt. Well, if that's the case, Jesus in the wilderness um, and his experiences, if they're going to be, if they're like our experiences, then they're going to be the same. So you have to, you have to make this a parable anyway, don't you? To, for it to be like our experiences, you have to make what Je- Jesus is um, being told by the devil to be a parable for the urges and the impulses that the devil is putting in his head, if you see what I mean, yeah. um, for it to be anything like what we have. And if you, <laughs> to be quite honest, if you've gone that far to to say, yeah, okay, so this passage is a visionary experience because of where Jesus you know, is, um, and it's also not actually a conversation with the devil because the devil is putting thoughts in Jesus's mind because that we know that's how the devil tempts. Um, if you've gone that far, you, what, what purpose is there to, <laughs> to hang on to a to a supernatural being in that passage. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, really yeah, quite yeah. straightforward to move on to a personification. The devil is personifying the human desire and, and to sin. Mm, that's right. In fact, there's more evidence outside this passage to to verify that, that thought process than a physical being coming and doing something. Yeah. And that takes us back, doesn't it, to the importance of, you know, when I fir- when you first asked me, okay, what does the, these verses sound like? Yeah. Um, 
to to realize actually what what is it that we're we're reading here and what is the point that it's trying to get over yeah and 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 to take what seemed to be simple passage like this and just double check it with everywhere else that kind of refers to sin temptation etc see whether that idea correlates yeah 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 that's that's right so we've done two things haven't we Um, in broadly we've done that like you say we've done a check with other passages to sort of work out that this is our interpretation is in keeping with what we know um, from elsewhere in scripture. So that's important. And then mm-hmm. the other thing we're doing is we're tying it in with the rest of the narrative of Matthew, um, which is also important. Um, and I think, so um, So what this make, means is we're, um, the whole point of the temptations um, of Jesus in the wilderness are all about how is he going to use this sort of authority and this status as Messiah how is he going to do it? Is he going to use it for his own advantage by making bread for himself? Or is he actually later on in the gospel, is he going to make bread for the thousands of people out in the wilderness who don't have any food? So, you know, he does that twice in the in the gospel. Um, so you, you tie it in with that and you can see how the character of the Messiah, Jesus, is extremely um, self-giving and not self-seeking basically. He's not a Messiah who's coming to rule with a, a rod of iron in the literal sense. He's coming to, he's coming as a Messiah to, to rule over himself, to, to kind of have uh, extreme control over himself so that he can give and give and give generously to the people around him. And ultimately, that's how he'll give his life. And that's how the kingdom will ultimately come through self-giving like that. Um, so that fits, you know, that fits the narrative of Matthew. Um, of him, his own struggles to choose whether or not he's going to serve himself and bow down and worship himself, or is he going to um, give himself to for the rest of the people? So yeah, we're, we're fitting it in and we're doing some cross checks and the interpretation. Uh, you know, I don't think I don't think we're proving that there is no supernatural devil from this conversation. Yeah. I think what we're doing is we're showing that the best reading, at least how I understand it, the best reading of Matthew four is that it's not a supernatural devil. Now that means that could mean that other parts of scripture talk about that. I, I don't think they do, but uh, but let's be fair. What we're doing is concentrating on this passage, and we're you know we're saying that there is no need to see this as something which is teaching a, a devil that goes around and, and tempts people, basically. Yeah. So uh, we've obviously spent a lot of time looking at this passage and kind of working out that it's it's not talking about a you know a figure that we can label the devil um and 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 we we can fit that in with the narrative can't we we can fit that in with the, the narrative that you've just spoken about the, the role of him as a messiah etc um, but then if we then read the rest of matthew what do we attribute to being parable what do we attribute to being um, narrative etc how, how would you deal with that that that, that sort of uh, dilemma of, of identifying how to interpret other parts of matthew yeah that's a really good question um and i think what you need to do is take every passage and approach it with the same sort of rigor as we've we've done um and what i hope <laughs> hope people can see and our listeners can see that what we're doing um is not sort of blasé. Um, we've we've gone through and looked at this passage quite systematically, and we've thought about the context, and we've thought about what this is. You know, those key sort of flags that show that there's something not quite right if you take it on a strictly literal point of view. Now, if you're not getting those, if you don't, if you're reading another passage in Matthew and you're not or anywhere else, 
and you're not getting those flags, then there is no reason in, in the Gospel of Matthew to to think that there's anything, any parable like that going on. Um, and I think that's really important because, yeah, we're, we're talking about a book about history um, and this is an unusual passage um, in that. And I think it reads as an unusual passage quite, quite easily when you do that. I mean, nothing like this ever happens anymore throughout the rest of the Gospel of Matthew. In fact, what you do have is similar situations in which Jesus is tempted and tested by other people, so like the Pharisees do it, or you know, other other people sort of tempt him to do X, Y, and Z, um, and then the converse, like like I said, Jesus actually chooses to to create food in the wilderness for other people, not him. So all the while, the this this these eleven verses are being linked to throughout the rest of the gospel. Um, which kind of show that again to me that this is almost like a little little sort of summary of the things that Jesus is going through and teaching, um, which again is a flag to say this is a little bit different. Everything else throughout the rest of the gospel, um, if you're not coming across any of those sort of flags to make you think otherwise, then there's no reason to think that you know they're not they're not sort of history basically. Yeah. Okay. That's that, that's a good, that's good advice and. You know, good detailed Bible reading uh, yeah. always uh, pays dividends, doesn't it? So yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so I think, um, have you got anything else to say on that point, or, or are we are we good? I, I I think we you know we've gone far enough at the moment. I mean, there's all sorts about um, the links back to Israel, the nation of Israel, and them being in the wilderness and them being sort of tested in the wilderness, and yet they keep failing. So Jesus is, you know, the antithesis to, to the nation of Israel in that sense. So we've, we talked a little bit about that in the, the previous episode. And so here's another example of that. Um, and so, you know, Again, that helps us show that this passage, what's the point of this passage? It's showing Jesus and his success in the wilderness. That's the point. The point of the passage isn't to show um, or to teach that there's an evil being that goes out, um, you know, tempting people. That's part of the, the style of this passage, which is teaching a different purpose. You know, it's teaching how Jesus is choosing to bring God's kingdom in the way that, that God wanted, not in um, asserting himself. Um, you know, yeah. later... Later in later in the narrative, you get um, Peter, one of his apostles, uh, his disciples. Um, when Jesus tells them that he's going to go to Jerusalem, he's going to be, be killed. Uh, Peter says, "No, there's no way. You're not going to do that. This is never going to happen to you." Um, and Jesus says, um, "Get behind me, Satan." He uses the exact same words, um, and he's calling Peter that. And it's because Peter is saying, "You're not going to go and die." You know we thought, you know, you're the one that's, you're the Messiah, you're going to bring about the kingdom, you're going to do um, all the things that we expected of you. Um, and and yet, it's a little, it's a little bit like um, the devil um, tempting Jesus to bow down and worship him so he can get all the kingdoms of the world now. But no, Jesus says, no, that's not how it's going to happen. He's, he's going to go to Jerusalem and die. So, you know, again, um, that shows how the role of the Satan is kind of manifested in Peter there, mm. and, you know, one of the disciples. So again, it, I just think that that shows everything. It, it's building up more and more of a case of that the what's what's happening in there. Yeah. One one point I'll take away from this, Dan, is that that link where you said she's saying that this passage in um, in Matthew is like an encapsulation of all the temptations that man can experience. That is then brought out in the Hebrew in, in that passage in Hebrews when in every respect was he tempted as we are. So this is like you know I, that, that I think is a really a good way of looking at this passage to say look here is a little few verses to show that jesus went through the same types and categories almost of temptation that that, that we can all experience yeah definitely yeah okay well i think we've um 
spent a good amount of time looking at this topic and it's been really fascinating and eye-opening as to as to what this is really all about so really what are we going to talk about next time dan so the next episode about matthew i'm i want us to chat about the phrase the kingdom of heaven or the the kingdom of god basically that that phrase Uh, Mm -hmm. what does that mean and we're going to touch on the sermon on the mount so some of jesus's teachings as well in the some of the early chapters so yeah it's great there's uh, there's always good stuff to to get out of matthew so we'll be doing Excellent. that looking forward to that episode dan as as always and uh so i'll bring it to a close there thank you for listening um to um this uh, podcast just to remind you that you can go and listen to all of the previous episodes um of the podcast you can just visit our website on uh, biblefeed.org and uh, please do that and you know come and give us your views and and your discussion points um you know we're on facebook uh, and also on instagram now so the bible feed online is uh, instagram so please join in the conversation thank you very much for listening thank you everyone you've been listening to the bible feed podcast thanks for joining us we're always keen to hear what you think hear your questions or subjects you'd like us to discuss Get in touch with us on our Facebook page or send a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey.